I'm excited about this message this morning. It's going to be a good, it's all been, already been a good morning. It's going to be a real good morning. Uh, we're going to wrap up this series about heaven and what is heaven really like. I like talking about this stuff. I like talking about this stuff. But let me just tell you right up front, I'm going to talk this morning as if I'm talking to people who have a relationship with the Father through faith in Jesus. And, 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 and so if you haven't settled that issue yet, it might, this might sound a little bit foreign to you, and it might be a little bit like, I don't know, man. Uh, but, but, but I need to approach this, uh, what heaven is really like, and wrapping up this series, as if you've already made that decision. Because what I'm talking about today is for those who have made that decision. Now, I don't want to exclude anybody. I don't want anybody to be excluded from what we're going to talk about. But the inclusion of what we're going to talk about comes only through your own faith in Jesus' work on the cross and belief in the resurrection. So if you haven't made that decision yet, I want to invite you even right now, even while I'm talking, just between you and God. The Bible says that if, if we confess our sin. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and he's been raised from the grave, we're going to be saved. And so, and so even while I'm talking, if in your heart something in you says, you know, God, I, I just want to make sure. I admit I've sinned. I admit I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Be the leader of my life. Um, I want to encourage you to do that so that what we're talking about is your reality. If you've done that, if you did it last week at Easter, if you're doing that today or recommitting yourself, uh, I want to strongly encourage you to write that on a card or, or let us know online or something so we can at least give you some resources and help you walk through, help you take some next steps of, of your spiritual growth. But when we talk about heaven, I just want to re- reiterate the, 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 this idea. Heaven is the place God dwells. Now, that, that's a, we, we can't talk about details till we talk about definitions. Uh, and, and so before we talk about the details of heaven, I need to talk about the definition of heaven, which is the place God dwells. Uh, and, and so what I'm going to talk about are two things, the present heaven and the eternal heaven. Now, that verbiage, present heaven and eternal heaven, is nowhere in the Bible, so don't go looking for it. But the principles are definitely in Scripture. And so there are words we put to it to help us understand what it is we read in Scripture, present heaven and eternal heaven. So usually when we talk about people on this earth who knew Jesus as their Savior and who die, we talk about them going to heaven. We talk about the desire to go to heaven when we die, right? Every Christ follower who has died on this earth is in the present heaven which is better by far than this earth. I mean, whatever it is, it's better than here. But the present heaven, or you could term it the intermediate heaven, not that it's lesser than anything, it's just not where we will spend eternity. So when we talk about Christians dying and going to heaven, whatever that is that you have in your mind in heaven, that place is not where Christians spend eternity. So that's why we put this term around it, the present heaven. And we're going to talk about it in the Bible, but I want us to understand that we must never lose sight of our eternal home. 
Not just what heaven is, but of our eternal home. Otherwise, we're going to be disoriented about resurrection and disoriented about eternity. So I've done a lot of work in this series to establish the fact that eternity is a new kind of unification of heaven and earth. It's a joining together of heaven and earth where God dwells with humanity. Remember, what's the definition of heaven? The place where God dwells. And, and, and so we've looked at, and we're going to develop it more this morning, that eternity is the unification of what we understand heaven and earth, where God dwells with humanity again. Not just us going and dwelling with God, but when God dwells with us. The present heaven, as we understand it, is an angelic realm distinctly separate from earth. We understand that, right? Right? Okay, don't be afraid to disagree or to agree with me. Like, I feel like sometimes I ask you a question, like, I know the answer, but I've heard this guy talk before, and I'm not, I'm not sure. So, so it, we understand the present heaven is this angelic realm that's separate from earth, right? Okay. The eternal heaven will be in the human realm of a new earth. Where the dwelling place with God will not be separate from the dwelling place of man. Where the two will dwell together. On a new earth. Let, let me ask you this question. Do you know why we don't eat dirt? Like on purpose? It doesn't taste good. Yeah, it doesn't sound good, right? Do you know why it doesn't sound good? Because we're not designed to eat dirt. The same is in regard to being a spirit forever in heaven with wings wearing a diaper sitting on a cloud. Do you know why that doesn't sound good? Because we're not designed for it. We're not designed for that. What we desire is life. Real life. That's why we fight so vehemently against death. Because what we desire is life. Why? Because that's what we're designed for. So why would eternity with God be any different? So let, in, in, in talking about what heaven's really like, let me address the first question that everybody has. It's a very theological, deep doctrinal question. Will animals be in heaven? That's what everybody wants to know, right? Like, will my dog be there? Um, I'm going to say this. Sure, why not? That's my Bible answer. Sure, why not? I'm a, although I do, have, I do have Bible to back it up. Will there be animals in heaven? Yeah. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The, their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. Wow. So why not animals in heaven? Right? I mean, I know my dogs are going to be there. And I think dogs, yeah, dogs make it to heaven. I don't think cats do. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just. I said that one time in church, and I got a couple emails from people who were just irate at me. Because they had a kitty that they wanted in heaven. I'm like, look, if that's what you're getting upset about, you've got some issues we could talk about later. But I, I don't know. It's just my own personal opinion. I don't see cats listed there. Um, 
again, you're stretching it. Jesus was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He wasn't the feline of the tribe of Judah. I don't, I don't know. I just, yeah, but why not, right? Okay, so we settled that one. Um, let's talk about what heaven's really like. You ready? So, this, so here's what I'm, I'm just going from what the Bible says. Uh, and so a lot of our understanding of what, what, what heaven is, it comes from just a conglomeration of, of like this hodgepodge and potpourri of all these different ideas. Um, how about we just stick with the Bible? And so this is what heaven's really like. Heaven is our eternal home on a new earth. Many of the world's religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, and so many others, the afterlife is very vague and very intangible. Christianity is different. Because Christianity never gives up on earth. Never gives up on God's creation. Never gives up on humanity with God as God intended in the Garden of Eden. See, just as God promised to make humanity new, God also promised to make the earth new. And, and this, is the, this is the problem when, when Christians, when we don't spend enough time searching out the scriptures. Because if you've got a good Bible, Isaiah 66 is in it. It says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Eternity is on a new earth with God amongst his people. Isaiah 66, as the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me. Like I'm going to make this and it is going to endure. A new earth. Revelation 21, 1. This was John, the disciple Jesus loved, was on the island of Patmos. And God gave him a revelation of past, current, and future things. And in the revelation of the future, I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had what? Had passed away. If you want to look at the biblical doctrine of heaven, if you want to know what heaven is like, the best place to start is by looking around you at the present earth. It's not so mysterious. Our eternal home in heaven on earth with God. The new earth will be just like the present earth, only perfected. That's what Eden was. Don't close your eyes and try to think of something that is completely unimaginable. Open your eyes and look at God's creation and created order and now imagine it perfected. The new earth. Do you understand? The starting point for envisioning eternity is looking at the creation and imagining it perfected. That's how God started this whole thing. And he hadn't given up on it. Do you understand? When we start to understand that this is our eternal home, Heaven changes from this spiritual place in the clouds to something that we can actually get excited about because we were intended for it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Think about this. 
If God's plan after stuff got screwed up was just to do away with it, and our eternity is somewhere in the clouds, God could have started over after sin. He could have said, you know what? Scrap it. I'm done. I'm done with this earth. I'm done with Adam. I'm done with me. I'm going to start over. Did you ever have one of those dads? Don't make me turn this car around. I will, we will do this again. Imagine God. I will, great car, I will create this again. But he didn't do that. Why? Because God chose to redeem what he already started with. He didn't choose to scrap it. He chose to redeem it. And to bring all things back to its original good. In the book of Genesis, when God created something and he pronounced it good, that word in Hebrew, good, is beautiful. So God's intent is to take that which is broken and redeem it and make it back into its original beautiful orientation. That's heaven. And that's where I'm headed. And if you got religious Jesus, that's where you're headed for. Just consider the miracles of Jesus for a moment. The miracles of Jesus in the New Testament, they were samples of what redemption means. The, 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 the miracles of Jesus were, were examples, they were, they, were, they were in living color of what redemption is. When Jesus encountered people and things that were broken and under the bondage of sin and decay and death, and Jesus chose to do a miracle. Jesus didn't choose her. Well, sorry, you're blind. You're done. He chose to enter into the brokenness and redeem that and reestablish it in its original intended position. Do you understand? So all these miracles that we see of Jesus were little glimpses of what redemption is, little glimpses. They were the restoration of health and the restoration of life. And the restoration of sight and the restoration of a life free from demonic possession. They were examples and glimpses of what restoration is. And God will again one day create like in the restoration of the earth and his people. Not just scrap it. So we see in the miracles a sample of what redemption is. And the freeing of a created thing from the bondage of sin and evil. What we see is the reinstatement of life as God intended it to be. Such will be eternity. We've got to get a handle on what we're headed towards. When we get a handle on what is coming, it makes life in this world a little less glamorous. Do you understand? Stephen Lawson said this. Whatever sin touches or pollutes, God redeems and cleanses. If redemption does not go as far as the curse, then God failed. Whatever the extent of the consequence of sin, so must be the extent of redemption. A new heaven and a new earth populated by God's people in real bodies. That's what heaven's really like. Populated with God's people with real bodies. Not spirits floating around somewhere. 
Job 19. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet my, in my flesh, I'll say, how in the world is in my flesh am I going to see God if my skin has been destroyed and not resurrected? You understand? From the very beginning, the idea of a physical resurrection was present in Scripture. From the very beginning. 1 Thessalonians 4, get this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ, the dead in Christ, will will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet uh, the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. A physical, bodily eternity. That's what we're headed for. See, to speak of a resurrection of the dead implies physicality. There's no resurrection of the dead if it's not physical. So what we're headed towards on a new physical earth is an eternal life with God in a physical body. Can you imagine The Bible has no category for the concept of a resurrected body that remains dead and physically in the grave. The Bible has no category for that. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. It ain't here. And it's not heaven, that's some some ethereal spirit thing where our spirits go and our bodies just are warm. That's not And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they'll be like his glorious body. And so when we look at the resurrection of Christ and we look at what eternity will be like biblically, what we have to understand is that Christ's resurrected body is a pattern of what our resurrected body will be. So what we see in Christ in his resurrected body, that's the model of what we will experience. And we know that Christ was raised physically in a physical body because the disciples ate with him after the resurrection. How's how's a ghost going to eat? How's a spirit going to eat? Take a bite of fish and it just falls on the ground? Like what's a spirit do with food? Acts 10, 41. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom he had already chosen. By us, this was an eyewitness account, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. It's a physical body. He was touched. His physical body was touched. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. How are you going to touch a ghost? How are you going to grab onto the feet of a spirit? Do you understand? Like what we're talking about here is something far more profound than just our spirits going to this heaven right now. And that's that's all there is for eternity. It's so much more than that. Jesus, after he was resurrected, even made a campfire and caught fish. That's pretty physical. Right? 
And once we understand that Jesus' resurrection is the prototype for our resurrection, we realize that the Bible has given us interpretive uh, precedent to approach the idea of what resurrection is. Now we know. Jesus declared his resurrection body was physical and touchable. In the uh, Gospel of Luke, look at my hands. He said, look at my feet. Look at me. It's me. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like I have. Like Jesus' resurrected body was flesh and bones. That's what ours will be. Can you imagine? Y'all acting like this isn't good news. It's freaking incredible. Jesus speaks of the resurrection involving the coming forth of the opening of the tombs. Look at what he says. Don't be amazed by this. This ought not surprise you. For the time is coming when all who are in their graves, dead, will hear his voice and come out. That's a physical resurrection. Now I realize there's a lot of questions. Okay, what about people who've been dead a long time? People died a long time ago. They're not really in their grave anymore. What about bodies? They're all disintegrated. Like, what about? But do we realize that God started this thing from dirt and can call life back up out of dirt? I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. In these eternal bodies that are free from disease, are free from pain, are free from death, and are free from drooping and sagging. That's not a bad body. That means more to you than some of you. Everything's where it's supposed to be. The hair's back up on top. We're all good. I mean, imagine this. For if the dead aren't raised physically, then Christ hasn't been raised physically either. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. This is what we're headed for. The body that's sown is perishable, but it's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. This is a physical resurrection of the dead. The Bible says our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. A physical resurrection. Ha! <laughs> Life in the present heaven. Now, here's the thing. We talk about the present heaven and the eternal heaven. Life in the present heaven is not in a physical body. Not yet. That's coming. So our loved ones who have died in the Lord and are in the present heaven aren't in a physical body in the present heaven. Their spirits are there with God. But they still have very real, many physical characteristics. Do you want to know how? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. How dare you ask me how? No, I'm just kidding. Like, I don't... Like, if we understood everything about God and eternity, he wouldn't be a God worth having. Right? Especially if someone like me could understand it. I have no idea. But we know that the spirits are there now in this present heaven, but they have very real physical characteristics. And we see that time and time again through Bible. We'll talk about it. And the heavens really like. 
immediate life with consciousness. Immediate life with knowledge of life on earth, of our lives. There's no such thing as soul sleep. Soul sleep is this idea that when people die, they kind of take a nap until Jesus calls them up out of the grave and they don't know the in-between time. That's ridiculous. That's not in the Bible. There's no such thing as purgatory. There's no place you'll go and wait till you get good enough, till someone prays enough, someone gets baptized for you, give enough money to the church, whatever. That, that, that's not in the Bible. I think God's calling somebody right now. That's kind of honest. <laughs> For whom the bell tolled. Like, oh, no, no, it's not mine. Look what the Bible says. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Like right now, if I depart from my body, I'm with Christ. Immediate life and consciousness. We're confident, and I say we would prefer to be away from the body, because if I'm away from the body, I'm where? I'm at home with the Lord. Immediate life and consciousness. In Luke 16, this rich man and Lazarus both die. And Lazarus goes to the good part of the afterlife. And the, the, the rich man goes to the bad part, and, but they're both very aware of and conscious of their lives that they had just come from on earth. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Luke 23, 43, today you will be with me in prayer. Like right now you'll be. I mean, this fellow slid in uh, like in the 11th hour, but he still made it. Phys like with God immediately. In Revelation 6, the dead, those who have been martyred during the tribulation, those who have been martyred or were in Christ, were in heaven. And it says that they were crying out that their blood would be avenged. They were aware that they had been murdered for the sake of Christ, and they had not been, uh, been avenged yet. And there were, there were time frames. They were told to wait a little longer. So there's even knowledge of time frames in heaven. It's amazing. The great thing is that even in our remembrance of earth and life, that memory is not with, is not with sadness. We're able to somehow see how God and the angels have intervened in our lives with us being unaware. And somehow understand the truth of Scripture that says, now I understand how God worked all this together for my good and His glory. It's amazing. A real earth, real bodies, physically, perfected creation, immediate life and knowledge and consciousness. Oh, it's so good. Do you know what heaven's going to be like? Can I finish this out? I realize I'm, I'm after time. Can I finish this? You all right? Look what the Bible says. A new city, jobs, and responsibilities. <laughs> You're like, okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You had me wanting to go there until this. Now, this is good news. This is good news. In Revelation 21 and 22, the Bible talks about this new Jerusalem, this city that will come down from heaven and, and join a, a, a new created earth. Now, is it a literal city? Some say yes, some say no. I don't know, but the Bible talks about it as the new Jerusalem as a city. God's got a pretty big vocabulary. He could have used any other words to describe this. He describes it as a city. So just, just imagine for a moment, this is absolutely crazy. Think about this new city as a city. If it is a city, 
Revelation 21, 15 and 16 say this. The angel who talked with me, this is John in this revelation that he had, talked to me, he had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city. The, uh, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out as a square. So get in your mind a square, and actually get in your mind a cube that was as long as it was high. So we're talking about a cube. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, as wide and high as it is long. So we're talking about this great big cube, 12,000 stadia in length. Now let me tell you how big 12,000 stadia is. 12,000 stadia is 1,500 miles. So a cube, 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, a cube, 15, you know how big 1,500 miles? It's half the size of the continental United States. The new city, half the size of the continental United States cubed. Now if you just take math, if every story in this city is 20 feet high, big cathedral ceilings, that would mean there's 396,000 stories in this new city. That's a big city. Now, when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, how, how long has he been working on that place? No, not forever. How long? He said that, then he ascended to heaven. How long ago was that? You're an accountant. You ought to know this stuff. Like, you, you, do, you do numbers. 2,000 years. So he'd been working on our home for 2,000 years. Now imagine our father, not limited with supplies, who loves his children profoundly. You cannot love without giving. You can give without loving at IRS day, but you cannot love without giving. And so you have this father with this profound love for his kids with unlimited supplies. Imagine God preparing the place for you whom he loves to show you the extent of his love. Can you imagine how good this place is going to be? I imagine the best place ever prepared by anyone for anyone. What was Jesus' occupation on earth? What was it? Okay. So he knows how to build stuff. Now he's got unlimited supplies for 2,000 years. The God who commands radical hospitality, so much so he made it a spiritual gift, will not be outdone in showing hospitality to his kids in eternity. You know how good it's going to be? When we get a glimpse and a picture of what eternity really is, it makes this world get a little less glamorous. Because what's coming? You know what heaven's going to be like? This whole jobs and responsibilities. We're going to have jobs and responsibilities, but I'm going to tell you this, it's only going to be the good ones. It'll only be the good ones. Incredible productivity, incredible creativity. Now watch this. I just I read this week that there's some 40,000 jobs in the United States. I read it. I don't know if it's true. Don't fact check me. It doesn't matter. I'm making a point. Some of those jobs are going to last for eternity. Some of the jobs that some of you have, you're going to be doing it for eternity. With unlimited creativity and productivity. There's some jobs that will not be in heaven. Guess what? Doctors are going to be out of work. Right? They're going to be out of work. Nurses, you're done. Got to get retrained. Dentists, thank God, no more. <laughs> Even more than that, lawyers, done. Sorry, Lori, IRS people, you're out. And guess what? Pastors? Yeah, gum it. But imagine this, imagine, imagine, imagine the careers that are going to last, like artists, 
Like artists right now on earth work within a color spectrum. God stopped creating after six days. It doesn't mean that he couldn't have created more. Imagine the unimaginable colors that artists will get to play. Scientists? If I were a science guy, I'd be coming out of my skin. Because can you imagine an eternity discovering the small intricacies of the created order by an infinite God? Wow. Engineers? Well, civil engineers, structural engineers, mechanical engineers that are going to get to, like, how did God make this big old city 15,000 miles? Listen, I want to figure out how this thing's put together. Like their minds just like... <laughs> Travel agents, you got the whole universe to you know, line stuff up for people. That's awesome. You never got to go to Scotland. Guess what? You'll get to go. I mean, this is just amazing. And this is what we're headed for. I really, I'm done. I'll, I'll get done. I just, I just like this. So, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. You, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they'll reign on. The, if you endure, don't, don't, don't quit on this. Don't quit on this. If you endure, you'll reign. That's a promise, but it's a warning. Don't quit. Don't walk out on this. Look at what you're walking out on if you walk out. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. We'll actually have responsibility and be in charge of stuff. And I know this is important because some of you love to be in charge of stuff. But you'll be in charge of stuff there based on, get this, how you manage the little stuff here. How have you done as the manager of God's stuff here? Your reward there is based on it. Luke 19. Well done, good and faithful servant. His master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very, in very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Finally, government that's good. Rule over cities. See, God gave the management of the creation to Adam and Eve. And all their descendants will take up that management responsibility as God originally intended. But it's based on our faithfulness over the little things here. Based on how we're faithful with the little things here, we'll be rewarded with much there. Not salvation. Don't misunderstand what the Bible says. Not salvation. That's on faith alone. But our reward's in heaven. My first grandma who died, boy, she slipped into heaven at the very last part of her life. And she made it. She ain't going to be in charge of much there because <laughs> she just barely made it, but she made it. And there's other real quiet saints that are just faithful so little. And they're ruling with Christ in a physical real earth because of their faithfulness.
Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous, with in, willing to share with everybody. In this way, they'll lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Do good. Give generously. Your salvation is not based on it, but your rewards are. And they're very real rewards. Let me wrap up with this. You know one thing we won't do in heaven? Church services. <laughs> like we won't have church. Because what is the church? The church of God's people. All of God's people will be there. I'll be gathered together. The book of Hebrews says, don't neglect gathering together as some are in the habit of doing after COVID. That's what the Bible says. So, so, so if you're physically able, freak, get back to church. Revelation 21, 22, the Bible says, there'll be no temple. And if the temple's where the church services took place, there'll be no church services, no temple. But we'll, so will we still be engaged in worship? Absolutely, 24-7 will be engaged in worship, if you understand what worship is. Worship is any legitimate activity of life. Marriage, family, business, play, friends, education, act, I don't think golf, certainly football. Any legitimate activity of life that's done with thanksgiving to God as an act of service towards God, as an expression of love for God, that is worship. So everything we do in the new earth with our real physical bodies is worship towards God. So yeah, well, we're worshiping 24-7, just not in church. But while we're on this earth, it's in church. What's heaven really like? This is what I love. We'll see and know those in heaven who have gone there before us. We'll see them. And we'll know them. Matthew 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and brother, uh, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Here's the thing. Moses died a thousand years prior to this. Elijah died 500 years prior to this. How in the world did they know it was Moses and Elijah? There are no pictures, no drawings, there's no selfies. Like we will have knowledge of people. And if we're going to know people we never knew, we'll certainly know people that we know. Do you understand? All your loved ones who have died in Christ who are there, I think if they could say anything, they'd say, man, you have no idea what is coming. I'm good. I cannot wait. I mean, I want you to wait as long as you can, but, but once you get all. Oh. Second Samuel 12, one of those painful things. David just lost his young baby boy. He said, can I bring him back again? No. But I will go to him. We're going to be together. David knew that for eternity, he would get to spend with the son he never got to watch grow up. Why would you take a chance at missing this? The rich man and Lazarus back at Luke 16, they had knowledge of their loved ones still on the earth. But there was no crossing over. 
There was no communication between the two worlds. There was knowledge, but there wasn't communication. And it raises the question of mediums. It raises the question of spiritists. It raises the question, can the dead communicate with the living and the living with the dead? It raises, it raises questions of those things. I, I, I know he was here. I felt, I know he was here. He, it raises all those questions. I, I'm not going to deal with those here. That's a question for the, the question and answer time. The Bible has a lot to say about that stuff. And I know that hits home to a lot of you. That you need to understand what the Bible says. Jared, come up here. For now, let me just recap with this. What's heaven really like? It is our eternal home. Not just this intermediate place where our spirits go. That has some physical qualities to it. But it's our eternal home on a new earth with real bodies. Finally, all of you will be bald. (laughs) God made a few perfect heads, and the rest he had to cover up with hair after the fall. So, finally. What is heaven like? It's physical. Immediate life with consciousness. And for all of our loved ones who are there, they didn't fall asleep. They didn't in this holding pattern. If they were in Christ, they were immediately with the Father, with consciousness. Yes of you. Yes of life. Without sadness. Find the understanding. Now I get it. All things together for my good. Now I get it. A new city with real jobs and responsibilities like productivity. Not sitting around on a couch somewhere waiting for God's little eternal welfare program to give us something, but actually like contributing to the recreation of the earth and its management. So good. Incredible creativity and productivity. We're absolutely seeing those in heaven. This is for those who have a relationship with Christ. Why would you miss this? Pray with me real quick. If you've not settled this in your heart between you and God, today is your day for salvation. If you've walked away, today is your day to come back. For God so loved the world that he's not given up on it. It's coming back around. In the quietness of this moment, I encourage you in your heart God, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I accept you as the leader of my life. And I want to be with you for eternity. If you already have a relationship with the Father, for you, there's no death. There's no fear of death. For you, There's great joy in life. For us, there's a looking forward to eternity. This is why we understand what Paul said. My attention is on heaven, on things above, not on the earth. And so we, who have a relationship with God, we pray 
In the cry of our hearts, Father, thank you that you loved me. Thank you that you love your creation. Thank you that you didn't cash it in and start over. Thank you that it will all be made new one day. Thank you, thank you that you so love the world that you called us into it and back to it in perfected, created order for eternity. We cannot wait. Woo-hoo. The reality of that. Jesus, we love you. We're yours. And we celebrate the fact that God so loved us that he gave a son. In your name I pray, man. Let's sing.